Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Okay, so I've been a subscriber for many years. Oh, good. Thank you. So this is a authentic. It helps me earn a living. <laughs> nice. And I was telling Nick, my who's sitting behind you, I, that the impetus for that was because my mother lives with me, and I come from a big. I know you came. You know, you said you've been drinking since you were nine. A long, wine. long time. And same with me. My yeah. parents always gave me wine. They owned land in Napa, so I went oh, up nice. there constantly. Nice. And when I we were a big drinking family, I'm a big drinker. So Me too. I'm excited to talk to you about this because I, but I'm not always drinking. I drink a lot of things that I shouldn't be. So when I moved in and saw how much like, that my mom was like going to Ralph's and getting whatever wine was on sale. Uh. And I was like, mama, my little sweet angel woman. I was like, the amount of wine we consume, you can't, we can't, you can't drink this. And it was a really hard habit for her to break. But she knows now to only drink the wine, especially for her, her age and what's going on with her health. That has the dry wine farm round little label on the back. Nice. So thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so you've been a longtime biohacker, huh? I have. I have. So I, you know, I started experimenting. Biohacking is a confusing term to people, so they oftentimes think it means, oh, like uh, aptogens or you know, putting crazy magnetic things on your head mm-hmm. or, you know, doing these sort of biohacking to me is defined as uh, how we deploy our behavior to have a positive influence on our neuro- neurological or biological outcome. So for me, the most common biohack is a diet, mm-hmm. right? So using food programming or nutritional programming in order to effectuate an outcome. And so I have been experimenting with ketogenic diet since back in the Atkins day, and most of your listeners won't even know who Robert Atkins is. I did he's, that when I was in like ninth right, grade and gained right. a bunch he's, of weight. <laughs> well, the Atkins diet came out in the 1980s, and he was widely criticized. Turns out that he was correct about carbohydrates and sugar, and he later died before he was ever really vindicated, which didn't happen until sort of the emergence of the ketogenic diet, which became popular about five years ago, right? And so I had started experimenting with nutrition and lean, staying lean and fitness and whatnot for the last 40 years Mm -hmm. or so, 30, 30 years. So yeah, I was always interested in optimizing the human experience and trying to encourage my wellness and then now my health span and consequently longevity. Mm -hmm. You're also a big meditator, huh? I am. I, I must admit, I don't meditate as long and as often as I used to. We're busy. It's okay. You're doing your best. Yeah. I meditate now probably five days a week. I used to have a really religious daily practice. Mm -hmm. And I've also compressed my meditation time down. I used to meditate for 30 minutes. Now I meditate for 15. I find that I get virtually not exactly the same benefit for half the time, but almost the same benefit. Mm -hmm. So still also a regular... Also, another important part of my meditation practice is is journaling, you mm. know, and kind of keeping a track on my life plan and manifesting. And do you do it in the morning or at night? I do it in the morning. You I, free write or it's a more intentional journal? It's 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 an it's a 
I have it with me. I was just writing on it in the car <laughs> on the way over here. It's a it's an it's an uh, empty notepad. I don't use a structured journal. Okay. And so, although I do journal and manifest some of the same outcomes every day of that I journal. So there'll be so I do have some structure to it, and then some of it is free flow. Adding that to a practice is life changing. You said something on your podcast with Will Cole that made me emotional, which was that meditation was a way for you to help with the trauma of thinking. Yeah, so we spend most of our adult life uh, in the trauma of thinking. And what trauma is to cause injury, Mm -hmm. right? And so most of our thinking is not useful. It's really causing injury to us. Meditation is the best therapy to quiet that that voice. We're most of us consume it's speculated that we have about sixty thousand thoughts a day. The problem is that most of them are the same thoughts we had yesterday. Mm. Most of those are about regrets of the past. Mm-hmm. But what most people suffer from is anxiety about the future. Mm-hmm. Is what I call the speculation of the unknown, mm-hmm. of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So if we know something and we know bad news, we can cope with that a lot better than not knowing at all. Mm-hmm. And so the greatest injury that most people subject themselves to in the way of thought is around the anxiety of the unknown, mm-hmm. what people would call worry. Mm-hmm. Worry is just speculation. And I, I love the proverb that... We don't really know enough to worry. If we knew enough to worry, we could fix whatever it is we were worrying about. Mm, mm-hmm. So we don't really know enough to worry. So we totally. just we just use this mindless speculation about all the bad things that could happen that almost never happen. So all of this speculation, this worry, uh, this anxiety about this thing that may or may not happen, when when it almost never happens. But right. this is biological, right? Because it used to be that there might be like a lion around the corner from us. Well, I mean, I, the, yeah, sure. So there's millions of years of, you know, neurologic and biological history that supports uh, same thing for eating, yeah. right? So, you know, when you look at the history of eating ancestral, there's no basis for eating the amount or frequency in which we eat, mm-hmm. right? So you eat I, one meal a day? I eat one meal a day and have for the last eight years. And I would never eight years. Yes, I would never go back to eating more than one meal per day. I used to, but it, as a woman, it's different. It's a completely different. Yeah, I was I was ruining my hormones, and it was causing me fertility issues. Uh, but I tell my husband all the time that it should be. So you don't even do eight hour window. You no. do one meal. I eat one meal per day. I last ate last night at like seven o'clock, and I'll eat tonight at six o'clock. So I don't. It doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Fasting is 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 an unusual thing. It oftentimes doesn't work for women. Mm-hmm. So I'm not here to advocate for fasting. It works for me, mm-hmm. and and I have a better outcome. My and husband's it, done and, it, yeah. and he felt fantastic. I mean, it works really well. I mean, the science is there for men, especially. Yeah. I do it based on my cycle. And so there's moments in my cycle where it makes sense for me to not have to have breakfast within 30 minutes of waking up and and all of that. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. But how do you adjust? Do you find, I mean, it's been eight years now, so you're in a much different position, but how has it affected your, I mean, because eating is so much of our social life. It is, and I, I just, you know, it's super rare. Most everyone around me, you know, because I've been doing it so long, it, it's, it. I got asked to launch maybe twice in the last year. Yeah, because and you, one of them you're I attended, within your own actually, community. <laughs> yeah, I attended one. I was asked to join the board of the museum in Miami, and they asked me to go to lunch to talk about that. And rather than tell them I don't eat lunch and <laughs> sort of get into all that drama, I was because it, it, people find it quite strange, and some people were kind of off put by it. And mm-hmm. I, I was just like, I'll just go to lunch and I won't eat. Yeah, yeah. And so I did. But I find that's oftentimes even stranger than just not going. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because then there's all this food and people, are you okay? Or, you know, do you want some of this <laughs> or a little bit of that? And I was like, no, I just don't really eat here in the daytime. Yeah. And so, you know, so it's, it's but it's also, it's, it's also an age-related condition. So, you know, I'm older and I'm really making a, a very deliberate effort to extend my health span. And mm-hmm. I think for me... Personally, overeating or eating the wrong things, you know, could contribute to, you know, a disruption in my health span, which is a little different than lifespan. So we're basically all going to die of the same five diseases mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. More or less, almost everyone dies from these five diseases. The question is, when is the onset of the disease? Because yeah, most of to them, prolong that. Yeah, most of them, accepting cancer, most of them, we have pharmaceutical solutions to extend, not true for cancer so much, but, you know, for heart disease, unless you have an acute event or Alzheimer's or dementia, or, you know, there are, you know, there are pharmaceutical interventions to extend, mm-hmm. you know, life by some pretty miserable long years. Mm-hmm. So my goal is to to get sick at the very end and die, right? <laughs> and so that that's sort of how I think about that. And I'm in my early 60s now, so it's, you know, so it's 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 something I think about. Now I'm training for 70, and then I have these decades planned out through 90, like 60 to 70. I'll oh, wow, cool. Kind of do this, and then 70 to 80, you know, I'm going to approach my work and my life experience in this way, and then 90 plus, which is kind of the exit window. I mean, you anything past 90s just like any kind of a gift mm-hmm. right for most people so thinking and, and thinking how that impacts my life work and my creation and what I want to contribute to the world and you know as you get older you have less energy and less focus and so but retiring is just like a non-answer for me I just like need to continue to create and be vivid and be surrounded with young people and you know, because young people help keep older people so much more relevant, mm-hmm. right? So it's, I mean, you're super young. Here I am today with you. Well, my husband and I talk about this all the time because he's from Italy, and he found that in what, it's just cultural because we don't have squares, but he always says that what helped shape him as a young man was the wisdom from the older people that were around him. So I do think that's a mutually beneficial relationship. I think it's super important. And what occurs to me as an employer, because I have an opportunity to work with a lot of young people in their 20s or early 30s, but particularly their 20s, it's just shocking to me how little they know about life. (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, like how little they understand about the realities of, I know you don't like this, but you see, this is life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of things you're not going to like, <laughs> you know, but if you want to succeed at this game, then you're going to have to understand, understand certain realities about it. Well, that's just grit. A right. Little bit, and right? It's just a lot of young people who just don't have any clue, uh-huh. you know, as to what they need to contribute in order to be 
uh, to propel themselves forward, you know. Uh, before we get into alcohol, what was the impetus for starting? I mean, it must just been your health journey, I'm assuming, to starting Dry Wine Farms. Well, uh, I was, I wasn't really, I was unemployed at the time. I've been self-employed since I was 17 and I was between businesses. And yeah, what did you do before? I, I've spent most of my career in real estate, one in one way or another. Not okay. selling real estate, but developing it, multifamily housing, apartments, real estate services. You were a savvy businessman before. Well, not always. Uh-huh. Not always. So, you know, life, you know, as you go through the journey of your career, I mean, there's, if you're doing anything meaningful or if you're creating things, you're going to have, you know, a lot of failure. Yeah. And so, in fact, my business prior to this one was a disaster. <laughs> and so, you know, although I'd, most of the things that I've done have been successful, but not without tons of failure. In her, you know, the problem with success is that it's a very poor teacher. Mm. Failure is the only place that we learn and build character. And so, and most people don't fail off enough because they don't try hard enough. Mm-hmm. So they just accept life as it comes to them as opposed to creating life that they want for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, but creating a life involves risk. And consequently, creating a life involves failure. Isn't it funny how, I don't know at what point it became, I don't know if it's cultural or, but the level of anxiety and everybody being so scared to take a risk. It just seems like so many people are terrified of change, risk, failure, but that's where all the yummy the life stuff happens. Of, it's the trauma of thought. That, yeah, exactly. What might so, happen. So what all the bad things that could happen, or more importantly, I'll be criticized. Well, the great news for anybody who wants to do anything, you should just anticipate that you'll be criticized. I'll be criticized in some way for something I say on this show. I'll be criticized for some position I take or, you know, everybody's like dry farm wines. Well, nobody knows what dry farming. No, but that's a terrible name. It was like, you know, everybody has an opinion and most people don't want to see you succeed. Mm -mm. Right. And so... Even when they tell you, it is that most people, unless they have been in your shoes, right, and created something and made a difference, if you're going to innovate anything, if you're going to create anything, you're going to you're going to be facing widespread criticism. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. And so, if you can't let that water run off your back, then you know, then don't create anything. It's a good lesson for me today, personally. By the way, I need to get a little bit more fuck it in my system. <laughs> well, I, I don't think you have to be. I, I don't. I don't I don't think we have to like I try to be kind and I want to be thoughtful and I want to do good things in the world but mm-hmm. you know there's a certain politics for a while and I, I love this I'm just involved in another civic event right now where something I'm trying to do that was really good for this organization gets misunderstood by somebody and I always like to say no good deed goes unpunished always right and so you're trying to do good things and it's just that You've got to sort of thread the needle through this this field of you know of critics, mm-hmm. and so and I, I don't think I have to take the the fuck them approach. I, I think it's I think it's just like just try to be gentle, you know, live gentle and uh, love more, mm-hmm. and you know, and try to ignore the things that aren't meant for you, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so this this this. This thing, this criticism is not really meant for me. Because mm-hmm. if anybody really understood who I was and what my heart was, they wouldn't be criticizing me. Absolutely. It's just not meant for me. Absolutely. It's meant for them. Yeah. Well, it's, and the their only way, and it's the only way it can be meant for me is if I allow it inside. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if I allow that injury to happen, I have to, sub- I have to submit to that. Right? I have to submit to that and accept that as as a valid attack. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't accept it. I just say, you know, if you knew me, you wouldn't say that. Therefore, you don't know me. Mm-hmm. Right. So I love that. So anyway, that, you know, you're, you, you, you're most people go through life in what I call the four two rule. They just let life happen to them. And in my life, if things start happening to me instead of for me, mm-hmm. then it's time for me to make a change. Got it. 
And normally when things are happening to us in a personal way, that's generally involving another or a group of other humans, mm-hmm. right? Because humans are quite cruel to each other. Mm-hmm. And so toxic relationship, uh, an employee who is, again, toxic, constantly trying to undermine you for whatever reason, not because they know you, it's because it's because of something that they suffer internally and now they need to create chaos around them and around you. And so... You know, generally speaking, for the most disruptive of humans, the the best solution is just to terminate your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, there's no reasoning with somebody who isn't reasonable. Yeah, okay. you can't apply logic to people who are illogical. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't make any sense at all that you would be doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. So you know, so so it's, it, there's this whole thing that you, if you're a creator. And you go out and you want to innovate and create and you want to make things better, right? Because business or opportunities of business, and I'll get back to your question, opportunities of business are really about solving problems Absolutely. and creating value in the world, mm-hmm. right? So the best way to be successful is to focus on the value you create for others, mm-hmm. right? Whether that's in your career, if you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're ultimately uh, creating value and solving problems. So... I was trying to solve a problem when I started Dry Farm Wines. It was not, I, I, would, I wasn't even thinking of it as a business at the time. I wasn't working at the time. I was really focused on a health journey, and I drink a lot of wine. <laughs> and then when I discovered what was going on, and then I got deeper and deeper and deeper into it, and then I became, you know, public enemy number one for the wine industry, it, you know, I discovered all these things and I started sharing them with other people and then it be, kind of became an accidental business. Yeah. You know, because as you know from drinking our wines, you simply feel better. Feel so. Well, that I was... Mean, it's, it's just but, a huge difference in how you feel. But I kept telling my mom because she would wake up, and the sweet little woman, you know, she'd wake up in the morning and she'd be like, I kind of have a headache. And I'd be like, yeah, you drank a bottle of wine that you got for three fucking dollars. Right. Like, you right. obviously have a headache. Right. There's nothing, I mean, and you can talk more into, I mean, there's no rules around this. this way. It's like the wine industry is like the Wild West a little bit, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's in, uh, the wine industry and the United States government are in collusion together mm-hmm. and have been since the 1930s, mm-hmm. you know, prohibition. So the, is none of this is an accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the primary wine lobby in Washington, D.C., the, the largest wine lobby that lobbies on behalf of the wine industry to Congress on their website publicly opposes transparent labeling and nutritional information on a wine bottle. And the reason they don't want a, an ingredients label or a nutritional label on the wine bottles because they don't want you to know what's in it. Yeah. Then they'd have to disclose all these toxins and poisons and animal parts and things animal that go, parts and things that go into wine. Jesus Christ. So let, let's just cover that wine thing for a second. Yeah, break it down. So what's wrong with wine and how did this happen? What might not surprise you, it's all about money. Yeah. Now, in fairness, I make a decent living selling wine, <laughs> but I don't sell that kind of wine, mm-hmm. right? And and the wine industry, I'll tell you what their response to me is. Their response is, uh, this guy's trying to scare you to sell you wine. And while it's true that I make a decent living selling wine, that's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. It's about, I want people to have the opportunity to know what I know. I want people to have the opportunity to discover what I discovered that changed my drinking life, Mm. right? That made me feel better, that improved my drinking life immeasurably. And by the time I started Dry Farm Wines, I was only drinking wine. When I was your age, I was still drinking spirits. And so, and, and I stopped drinking spirits around age 40 uh, and didn't drink beer or other beverages for different reasons. So I've been drinking wine basically uh, <coughs> since, since I was around 40. Uh, I might have a taste of spirits once every year or two. You know, uh, I think like last year I had an espresso martini in a nightclub, <laughs> right? Just because... You know, they taste really good. <laughs> but generally speaking, I don't drink spirits. Yeah. And and that's largely age-related. Okay. And also related to the fact that alcohol is poisonous. I mean, my Instagram feed right <clears throat> now and how I even became, 
like internet friends with Will Cole is he posts something about the danger of alcohol. And I wrote on that and said, this feels like a personal attack <laughs> because I love martinis and I love What's not to love about a martini? They taste great. And I love tequila and I try to just keep it clean into those things. And then, you know, my parents used to take me, God, I'll get shit for saying this, but one of my fondest memories when I was little is my mom would always sneak me wine at wine tastings or she would drink a sip of wine and say, kiss me. And she would spit the wine in my mouth. Oh, gosh. Creative. I love it. She would say, what do you taste? What are the, you know, this is when they would go to French Laundry when it was the original owner. This wasn't a bourgeois place. Napa was for. Sure, it was very different. It was completely different. Way different. So I am at a place in my life where I'm a mother and there's too much. uh, I now know too much. Do I drink all the time? Yes. But I know in the next few years of my life, I'm going to have to make that shift if I want to be a woman who is not scared of getting dementia or Alzheimer's or has inflammation in my body. I mean, there. I, I just, I just have to make a responsible choice. Am I ready for that right now? No, but it's circling, right? Well, look, there'll be a. I mean, there's no doubt, and there'll be a point in time in my life when I will stop drinking because this won't have the energy as you age. Absolutely. And it surprises people to hear me say this, but because they think I'm here to sell wine, and I love selling wines, how I make a living, but. <laughs> Alcohol is quite toxic and dangerous, and some people shouldn't drink at all. Mm-hmm. And my life might even be enhanced if I didn't drink at all. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I love wine. I love drinking. I have this conversation with myself quite often about how much I love drinking. But you got to live. I mean, and you eat one you meal gotta a day. Live. You got to live. Right, but you drink right. a bottle of wine. Uh, generally a bottle a day. A day, yeah. Sometimes two. So, <laughs> you know, it's... but. But it's also low alcohol. It's organically oh, yeah. farmed. It is you free of to- yeah. It's free of toxins. It's free of other than alcohol is toxic. Uh, I mean, my haters love to criticize me about talking about health and you know and and the fact that our wines are additive free and don't have these toxic additives in them. And so my haters love on social to talk about how toxic alcohol is, and I should just stop drinking altogether. Comment, comment, comment. You know mm-hmm. how it goes. I don't respond to it. We just like ignore it. But because I don't really engage with haters, you know, it's just like haters got to hate. Mm-hmm. So no doubt, you know a little bit about this. <laughs> so you know it, but alcohol. I don't think that ethyl alcohol is healthy for humans in any amount. And yeah. I think everybody probably better off from a health point of view if they didn't drink at all. Yeah. But that being said, I love drinking wine. I love the discovery of wine. I love the euphoria of getting high off of wine. I love the community of wine. Yeah, I love being around the I remember being around look, wine has been a part of arts and religion and cultural institutions for ten thousand years. Can you tell you something? My father died at our house at Sunday dinner, the three months before, or the Christmas before, for Christmas, I bought him a case of reserve wine in Napa from his favorite vineyard, and it was called the Patriarch. The night he died, we drank a bottle of that wine. Nice. And we drank it on his birthday, and we keep the rest of it, and we'll drink it at important life occasions. Wine is beautiful for those kinds of reasons. Right. So it's magical. I love wine is magical and i love the magic around wine and i've intended to drink for a long time mm-hmm. so but i do have this conversation with myself which is you know should i drink less maybe i should drink maybe not during the week maybe you know i have this conversation like would i feel better if i just didn't drink at all the answer is yes maybe i don't know but I love wine, and I love drinking around the dinner table, and I love... But there's something about that, right? Yeah, That's joy that's it's, being it's brought into your life. It's huge joy. Yeah. Now, there could be some adverse health effects from that. Don't know. Well, you got to live your life a little but bit. But you got to live a little bit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but let's talk about what's wrong with wine real quickly, because this is really important information for people to know. So the first problem is money. The wine industry, like mo- most of the food industry, has consolidated. Mm-hmm. So the top three companies make 60% of all the U.S. wines. And the top 25 companies, and listen to this, the top 25 U.S. wine companies make 90% of all wine. The, the top 25. In the world? Or in, in the, the United States. 25 companies make 90%. Cent of U.S. wines. Now, 
that's a problem. Because they're not trying to make this wine better or healthier. They're trying to make it cheaper and faster. Yeah, this is all factory so wine. So we're I'm using toxic chemicals in farming and toxic additives in wineries. Meanwhile, they put cute animals on the label or they put a farmhouse to have you think you're drinking from this farmhouse when, in fact, in 90% of the cases, you're drinking from huge wine factories that are located in the Central Valley of California. These are massive factories. Now, they don't want you to know that, so they hide behind thousands of brands and labels. But when you go in the store and you look down the shelves of all this wine, it's a, 90% it's of that came from a handful of companies. Damn. Right? So that's the first problem. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The number two problem is toxic farming. So in farming, four vineyards, this is a staggering number. By the way, everything I'm sharing with you is easily verifiable with a web search, or you can go and find all the documents on our website. Mm. 90% of these wines are made by these 25 companies who employ toxic farming practices. Now, what do I mean by that? These are statistical facts. Only 4% of vineyards in California are organic. 4%. That means that 96% of the wines that you see are farmed with chemicals. 96%. And worldwide, only 5% of vineyards are organic. These are just facts. It's not something I made up. 5% in the world. In the world are organically farmed. We think organic farming is a very basic, right? I don't want, I try to eat organic. I don't want to drink chemicals. The, the, The reason organic farming is so important in wine is that The leading environmental group that assesses what are called the dirty dark dozen, Mm -hmm. the dirty dozen of fruits and vegetables that retain the highest residual chemicals from farming, grapes are number eight. Yeah, of course. They used to be number six. What's number one? Berries? Almonds. Shit. Everyone's just slurping almond milk. So anyway, so so, so the the strawberries are also in the top three. Yeah, I always knew. Yeah, right. So, so, so it's in the dirty dozen. Grapes are number eight. So we just think it's really important that you should get toxic chemicals out of farming. Mm-hmm. Then there's the additives. Uh, there's seventy six additives approved by the government for the use in winemaking. Seventy six. Seventy six. They now the interesting thing about wine is see wine is not uh, wine is not governed by the FDA. So the FDA oversees most food and beverage products. Mm-hmm. And the FDA has very specific requirements on labeling, including ingredients label and um, nutritional information. How did the, who communicated from the big wine to the FDA that they needed to, how did we get that loophole? Well, wait, 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 well wine is... Wine is overseen by the Treasury Department. What? Why? Treasury Department has a division called the TTB, which stands for the Trade and Tax Bureau. Mm -hmm. It used to be the, before Waco, it was the 
you know, uh, alcohol, firearms, and tobacco, the ATF. Mm-hmm. But now it's been renamed a kinder, gentler name called the TTB or the Trade and Tax Bureau. But it's actually a division of the Treasury Department. So the FDA is not even involved in the regulation of alcohol as we know it. It's regulated by a taxing authority called the TTB that is a division of the Treasury Department. That's who's making these decisions, right? <laughs> if, it under, if it weren't at the purview of the FDA, you would have ingredients label and you would have nutritional information. So you'd know importantly how much sugar's in it, mm. right? So of the 76 additives, a few of them are natural, but quite a few are quite toxic. So of the 76, 12 are considered health hazards by the National Institutes of Health. So the National Institutes of Health, which is another government agency. What do you think these government agencies don't have conversations well, with each other? The one hand doesn't talk to the other, right? It's You'd think that would be kind of basic, huh? Yeah, yeah, it'd be kind of basic, you would think. <laughs> so anyway, so the 12 are considered health hazards by the National Institutes of Health. Two of them are considered acute toxins. No. Acute toxin has a very specific definition. And the definition of an acute toxin, which you can find on Google, is that one dose or multiple doses over a 24-hour period can be fatal, right? And the worst offender of these toxins is called dimethyl dicarbonate. And so this is all, again, these are government documents and, you know, this is, you can just Google any of this or go to our website where you'll find (coughs) accredited scientific documents on all of it and government, we just aggregated to make it easy to find. How long did you live in Napa for? Uh, 20 years. They didn't burn your fucking house down? Well, <laughs> I finally had to leave. Uh, Could you get a reservation at a restaurant? <laughs> uh, it, it, it got so... It got so. I know how it, that town works. <laughs> it's worth noting in 2009, I was Citizen of the Year in Napa Valley. Oh. Uh, this is pre-Dry Farm Wines. Then you became enemy number one. And then I became enemy number one. We were, <laughs> Also, we would kid about... You know, maybe people would spit in my food in restaurants or something. <laughs> and so, yeah, but eight, six of these additives are derived from eight different animal organs, right? What? Including pig pancreas, uh, cow stomach, fish bladders. So they're, That's what you meant by animal parts. Yes. You know, they're not actually animal parts. They are derived from animal parts, required to be derived from these animal organs. So anyway, eight, eight of them are byproducts of black mold, including ochratoxin A. Now, ochratoxin A, which is a carcinogenic mold, can also be found in wines from the vineyard. Yeah. Now, our wines are lab tested for ochratoxin A. All European wines, it's fair to note, we don't sell any domestic wine. So when you get wine from us, they're always from Europe, yeah. South America, or South Africa. We don't sell domestic wine because there's no wine made in the United States that, that meets meet all of standards. our crates, criteria. So anyway, we It'd be did, nice if you could do that. I'm sure you would love to yeah, be Yeah, yeah, we would love to, to, to support local farmers, but it just they're just not there. The soil's not even available well, for you. Well, 96% of it's been killed with industrial toxic yeah. farming. Mm-hmm. So when you have organic farming, even when you convert a toxic farm to organic, it takes 8 to 10 years for the soil to become back alive Mm -hmm. from the microorganisms that have been killed in the soil from chemicals, Mm -hmm. right? So there's uh, there's this fascinating documentary called The Biggest Little Farm that is about California farm that restores back to... Is that the farm in Moore Park? I'm not sure where it is. I don't remember. Yeah, I watched it. It's, it's a tiny little thing. It's, it's a family. This couple yeah. comes in. And, and they realize that if they, you know, what's it called when you plant biodiversity. one? Biodiversity. They use all the biodiversity <laughs> to make right. all the other plants grow. Right, right. That's so, a beautiful so nature, documentary. It's a great documentary. Nature is a couple, you know, it's a billion years of figuring this out, mm-hmm. right? How to make all the systems interact. Now, nature can be cruel in many ways, but it's always regenerative. I always call that Mother Nature's grace. Right. That's God's stuff. I mean, it's, just, it's just like... It, it wants to it regenerate. It just works, mm-hmm. right? It has it has millions and millions of years of evolution figuring out how to make all this work together mm-hmm. until we separate it, mm-hmm. right? And then when we separate these forces, then they go haywire, right? And so this is... We believe in supporting small family farms who care. These people don't make any money. You can't make any real money making natural wine because you can't make it in very large volumes. Yeah. And so 
we think it's important. We support about 800 small family farms around the world who are dedicated to this way of life of helping save the planet and making a product that simply tastes better, it's healthier, and you feel better, mm-hmm. right? And it's their passion. This is what they do. They're not, these are not business people. They're like hippies, yeah. right? It's My husband's like, from Mount Etna. Okay, if you go, <laughs> if you go to, if you go to the farmer's market mm-hmm. and you look at these vegetables and fruits and you look at it and they're just so beautiful and they're so vivid, like you oftentimes want to take pictures of them. They're so beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the organic food you find in Whole Foods doesn't look like that mm-hmm. because it comes from this food that you see at the farmer's market and you see the people growing it because they're all hippies, right? They don't have anybody. They're small family farms, so they're there selling what they grew. Mm-hmm. And you know what they look like. Mm-hmm. They look pretty healthy, too, generally. They're, 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 but they're hippies. That's the same thing that you have in these small family farms that grow these natural wines. So you think of it as wine of the farmer's market, mm. right? So when you have a family who grows, who dedicates their life to living soils, and who dedicates their spirit to a cooperation with nature, you end up with a very different grown product than if it was just organic yeah so it's what the intention is there it's the intention the spirit the Mm -hmm. love right the commitment Mm -hmm. and that's what you taste in these wines by the way what's amazing for people who don't know and i've been like i've said i've been a subscriber for five years by the way your company's just basic operations are fucking fantastic thank you I appreciate the uh, your website is beautiful the branding is gorgeous every team member because i've also done like affiliate stuff with you guys i'm the human beings that you interact with with anybody at your company is fantastic fantastic and to be able to go online and say yeah just and i always go just give me a mix just give me a mix because i know i'm going to try six bottles of wine by the way it's so affordable and I said that to my mom too. Like, listen, outside well, it's of, not $3 a bottle. I was bottle, like, listen, but... you're going to have to depart from the $3 because this is your body and this is your health. And sure. I need you to live a long time because right. you're the only parent I have left. Sure. So I provide you with healthy food. We get our steak from a good place. We have, you know, sure. and I was like, just drink this fucking wine. So she loves it. And I know that any bottle that I get, and I was telling Nick before you got here, he said, I haven't subscribed yet. And I said, any bottle you get is going to be. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And if you want more of one. get on it. (laughs) Nick, we need your help. So I also want to just shift and talk about now, just end it with, and this is just exciting to me and will probably be to many people who are listening who are entrepreneurial. You provide a very nice lifestyle for your employees. I'd love to know. I mean, you, they come in. What did you say? I heard you say they come in at Ten. Ten, because you are right. assuming, and these are not people who are waking up at nine thirty to roll no, no, into no, their no, office. No, 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 These are not. These are not people who get up at. You want 9 people to have their morning. We, we want to protect their morning, and I want to protect my morning. Yeah. Right. So this morning, you've meditated I got and up sauna'd. at five thirty. Mm-hmm. Right, and so, and I would, in Los Angeles, where I am now, at our home here, we have a, uh, we have the, the five bedroom home here that also other people stay in when we're in town. So nobody lives there full time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a communal house. And this week we have, as we try to do six times a year, we have a an all hands kind of people come in and because we're all working remote now and traveling and it's not like it used to be pre-pandemic. So we meet six or so times a year somewhere. And this week it's in Los Angeles. And these are your employees? Yes. And so there's four other people staying in the house with me. Amazing. Right. And so the reason I mentioned that is because this morning after when I got up at 530, shortly thereafter, the alarm on the door, the door downstairs goes off because people are going to the gym. Yeah. Right. And so our people are not, they're very fitness oriented. They're very uh, lifestyle oriented. They're not, they're not like getting up at nine or nine thirty to come or to start work at 10. Yeah. Right. But if they have children, I want to protect that time for them to have with their family. If they, if they don't, most of them meditate or journal or just to have that free space. The problem with the starting at 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning is that most people end up 
rushing through their whole morning and starting in a sense of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And what I want people to do is gently, I want them to gently arrive, right? Whether that would be in an office or if it's remote, we have daily stand-ups. Like, so because we're all remote now, we have to, we have to sort of replicate the same energy and communication and collaboration. How do you do that? Through daily stand-ups. What is that? Is that manifest itself into like a Zoom? Like what's it? It is a Zoom. It is a Zoom. So each department has. There is no department in the company other than warehousing and fulfillment. Yeah, of course. There's no other department in the company anymore that exclusively all work in one place. Mm -hmm. Some people may live in the same city. Some people may go to the same office. But there's 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 rarely a day where everyone in the same department goes someplace, mm-hmm. right, other than for warehouse. And so so we have, so each department has what we call a daily stand-up. It's typically a 30-minute meeting sometime early part of the day that reviews everything from yesterday, you know, anything that's pending, everything from today, and everything looking forward. Nice. So it's like project management list, mm-hmm. right? And it, I have... Mine with my team. So every every team. I love that. Every you you have to because it replicates sort of that collaboration that you. It's not the same as being in person. Mm-hmm. Nothing's ever going to work as well as being in person, which is why we bring everybody here this week, mm-hmm. so we can collaborate because ideation, creating ideation, and solving real complex problems just doesn't happen on Zoom. No. The problem is you talk over one another. Right. And because of that slight delay in the transmission, people talk over there. And the way that great ideation happens, the way that great problem solving happens is through intense uh, brainstorming and collaboration. Mm-hmm. Very intense. People are talking over one another. But, but, it, but it flows, you know, where it doesn't flow on Zoom. And people forgot about that. And I feel bad for a generation of kids who have graduated college and haven't had... Because no mentorship. The best, there's no mentorship. There's no one to, anyone to look out to or reach up to. And I've even said this in many work environments the last year where people are expecting certain thing out of me. And I said, how am I supposed to give you goodness alone in my home? Right. I have to have, and it's amazing what we can do when we talk to each other. Right. I can't do it. So to have. They like don't a, even, they don't, they don't see how to behave. They don't learn. They don't witness presentations. They don't see, you know, what. There's no decorum. The, there's no decorum. They just don't understand. Yeah. Right. It's a huge problem. I, I predict, I mean, certainly in our case, this is happening already. I predict you'll see a swing back. You know, we're opening offices in New York. And, and I'll tell you the reason why, because New York is leading the country right now in terms of ambitious young people and getting back in the office, mm-hmm. right? And so the top students moved to New York. The top firms are recruiting them there. I mean, it's, you know, you, you uh, most of the, <coughs> not all exclusively, but most of the top schools producing the top students, not all, there's a few in California, but most of them are on the East Coast, mm. right? And so there's this, there's this thing happening in New York right now that's so invigorating and exciting, and so energized from young people who are ambitious and who want to work and want to, they don't want to sit at home. Yeah. They want to be in the office, yeah. right? Learning. And so, you know, we just think that I think you'll see a return, and you already see tech companies, Apple and others that are requiring people to come back. It's, not, it's just not a requirement. It's like you should want to go in, yeah. right? Because it's more exciting to see your friends, get to hang out, get to create. We're community-based really t- human beings. There's right. science around that. We right. will die without each other. Right. So, yeah, and it, but but in some cases, you know, particularly for young mothers, or in some cases, there are I think some real applications absolutely for remote work in some departments absolutely. doing certain types of work that don't really are not really reliant on that community yeah. they're reliant it's it's a more transactional behavior mm-hmm. like customer service is a, a great customer example. service or like a finance person or right something. customer service is a great example you know where even before the pandemic we had customer service people working in different time zones so that we could extend where we're we think of ourselves as as 
concierge or hospitality. You know, we, oh. we think about delivering hospitality through customer service. Mm-hmm. So we want people to be accessible on the weekends. We want them to be accessible in different time zones. So we had already started that pre-pandemic. Those positions work fine remote, and then you have them on a daily stand-up or you bring them into you know, a meeting like today a few times a year and because people need to know each other. Yeah, of course. It's hard to sort of work together if you don't know each other, mm-hmm. right? And the office used to kind of provide all that, but now that's all changed. So, you know, we're, we think a lot about, we think, we put the order of priorities on product is number one. If we don't have the very best product in the world, if yeah. our wine is not the best in the world, then you're not going to drink it mm-hmm. over time. Not for five years for sure. Right, you're even though it just has to be interesting and the very best in the world. Mm-hmm. And number two, we need to have the happiest employees. And then number three, we can focus on our customers. Yeah, right. Because if you don't have happy employees, you're not going to have happy customers. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you know, we we think a lot about the the culture, what we call the culture of mutual benefit. I love that. So. And we'll close on that because I know we're going long, but yeah. the culture of mutual benefit is that, you know, we all, we're going to have to get paid. I need to make <laughs> a living. You need to make a living. So if you're going to work together, if you're going to work for me, then I'm going to pay you really well. I'm going to give you unlimited vacation, unlimited PTO. No, you can be off whenever you want, unlimited expenses. Only thing we ask is that you exercise a level of respect towards yourself and towards the organization mm. and how you think about these things. And if you can't use judgment that is worthy of self-respect, we probably don't need to work together. Mm. Right. And so this culture of mutual benefit is I'm going to pay you above market. I'm going to pay you well, and you're going to produce great quality work. And that's how we're going to make a living together. And that's mutually beneficial. Right. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's about, we have to cooperate. Right. And so, if we take care of people, we pay for their fitness. We pay, you know, we 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 want them to prosper as individuals while we mutually cooperate with each other towards our mutual benefit. Pretty simple, right? So fucking inspiring. Thank you so much. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.